Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Digital Marketing Agency Builders Podcast. In this show, we discuss the rapidly advancing digital marketing industry and how to grow a profitable marketing agency with some of the best minds in the space. Since 2015, Tyler Narducci has been building and scaling his own digital agency, helping businesses grow and market their services and products through online advertising. Now, he's helping other startup digital agencies launch and scale rapidly to six figures with the Done For You Agency program. If you are interested in taking your agency to the next level and skip all those painful mistakes most have to make by learning directly from those killing it in the digital agency space, then apply now at dfy-agency-program.com scale. That's dfy-agency-program.com scale. There will be a clickable link in the podcast show notes below. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Agency Leads and Sales Pros. I am your host, Tyler Narducci, and today with me, I have Christian Benak. Christian is the Principal and Chief Growth Officer of a business development and growth consultancy that helps marketing agencies and MarTech companies land six- and seven-figure opportunities predictably. Over the last 20 years, Christian has been an agency owner, an outbound sales team leader, a business development director, working hard with award-winning agencies like Energy, BBDO, DDB, and Barclay, helping them to win millions of dollars of new business from companies like Anheuser-Busch, InBev, and Kohl's, among many others. Christian, thank you so much for taking the time uh, and doing this episode with us. Absolutely, Tyler. Really looking forward to this conversation. Thanks for uh, having me on. Absolutely. So we can we can totally just dive right in. So one amazing thing about you is that you built up your personal brand, uh, and that helped you scale your agency into a seven-figure powerhouse. Can you just kind of explain for us how you did that with your personal brand, and what are some things that our listeners can learn to kind of you know use these tools for themselves? Yeah, most definitely. So when I originally thought about having this this company, I uh, you know, B2B companies get a kind of a bad rap, right? They don't have a lot of personality. They're boring. They're just, they're not as sexy and as fun as some of the more consumer facing. So with that insight in mind, uh, you know, right off the bat, I was looking for, you know, ideas on, uh, you know, what can I do to stand out? And so with that in mind, I also reflected around my, my first business. So my first business was actually a concert promotions business. Um, and it was a branded company. There was, you know, I didn't put myself in front and center. And I actually, uh, people called me the Wizard of Oz. They're like, there were these big concerts that would happen. And I would be sort of the guy behind the curtain. Nobody knew that I was the one involved in all of this. And uh, while it might seem like a compliment, that Wizard of Oz comment, I I've always felt like, you know, I was maybe leaving something on the table there because by not putting myself out there more, that there might have been opportunities that I was being passed by because these big concerts that we would do, nobody really knew who was behind them. So when I started this company here, it was like with that insight of my experience with my first company and then the fact that these, you know, B2B companies need some personality and, you know, there's there's sometimes a trust, you know, issue also with B2B companies. I thought, you know, I'm going to put my myself out there. So you know, the company, you know, right out of the gates, you know, I mean, I named it Christian Banach, uh, you know, my my own name. So that 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 helped right there. But, uh, you know, from really day one, you know, it was really about trying to inject, you know, my own personality into the business. And uh, one of the key 
ways that we were able to grow early on was through uh, an email newsletter that that I developed and uh, it shares a, a, a motivational, you know, inspirational type story, something personal from my life. I try to wrap it up into a business, you know, lesson as well. Um, and then I share, you know, other industry insights, but that newsletter has really allowed people to connect with me on a, on a very personal level. And, uh, you know, I get emails, you know, all the time from people that, you know, they, they don't even really know what, what we do, um, but they, they connected with me in the story and they're like, I would love to just learn about what, what you guys do. And, uh, and that's been a, a really key insight, you know, as well, that if, you know, if you're able to build up that brand and build that trust, you know, people will actually come knocking on your door asking what you do versus you having to, you know, knock on theirs and, you know, kind of uh, put yourself out there. At this point, you were still doing uh, the concert business or setting up concerts? Um, no. So the, the concert business that actually, uh, I shut that down maybe about 10 years ago. And for the last okay. say 10 years, I have been working at, in various agencies doing business development. Um, but what okay. it, what had happened was, you know, right around the, the pandemic, um, I, you know, I always wanted to do something on my own again, and I wasn't really sure what or when or how, uh, and what I ended up seeing is that a lot of agencies were really struggling in the pandemic. And I felt like I had an opportunity to give back. Um, so I was working at an agency actually at the time uh, and had this idea to, to start this business. And, um, but where do I begin? Where do I start? You know, I, yes, I worked at agencies, but I didn't, you know, I didn't have a brand at that time. Nobody knew who I was. So that's really where um, my go-to-market strategy really initiated, you know, with this email newsletter. Okay. So you started building a newsletter and, and getting that out there. I guess, how did you start growing the newsletter? Where were you getting the emails from to send out to? Um, and where were you, I guess, generating the, co uh, the, the copy from? Were these your own ideas? Were you sitting down late night writing this? Or how did you start it? Yeah. So the, the newsletter, in, in terms of building the audience, it was really twofold. Uh, you know, we we do for our clients and I had done previously a lot of outbound uh, marketing. So, you know, I had access to different databases and different scrapers and LinkedIn and all of that. So um, a lot of it was cold, you know, outreach that we initially started to build the list with. And then, you know, as time grew uh, and, you know, there, you know, people started learning more about us uh, and me, uh, you know, more organic, you know, uh, opt-in, you know, signups started coming. So the, or the, the, the newsletter sort of took off, you know, from there. Um, in terms of writing the copy, you know, it was all myself. Uh, and it was, it was, yes, it was late nights. Um, you know, I, I do it every Monday, as I mentioned, Monday motivation. So usually it's Sunday night at 10 o'clock. Um, Oh shoot! I gotta I gotta write something for tomorrow, uh, but uh, you know I, I try to get ahead of it. Uh, but I, I feel like it seems more authentic when I'm sort of up against the gun and up against the deadline. Uh, I usually come up with better ideas. So, um, so yeah, that that's really you know it, it was really just me myself. I mean, even today, the newsletter is really you know just myself and my thoughts. I want to really want to keep it personal. Uh, I've thought about trying to outsource it to somebody on my team or freelancers, but I, I think you know, it would lose that authenticity that, you know, it's, that's become what the newsletter is all about. Yeah. So you were, your audience was digital marketers and, and agency owners and your, uh, your, your content was your thoughts on how to improve the industry and that business model and, and, and challenges that they were meeting, or was it more digital marketing strategy? Like what, what was the content base? Based. Yeah. So interestingly enough, uh, the content was, there's a couple different sections, if you will. Um, the main piece of the content was really more um, 
inspirational type stories with a business lesson kind of wrapped into it. It wasn't about how to sell better agency services or, uh, you know, how to run your business better. It, it, that was not really it. It was more so uh, getting to know me in my personal life um, and mm -hmm. wrap it into kind of a business lesson that I took away from it. Uh, and, and then I also include in the newsletter, you know, different, uh, you know, chief marketing officers that have moved to different companies. So I basically provide some insights and leads to agencies that, you know, they, they could potentially see, oh, the, the CMO had moved on. Um, maybe I should reach out because oftentimes if a CMO moves on, they're going to be, you know, looking for a new agency in their new role. So I would provide some insights like that. And then occasionally I would write, you know, some, how you were talking about more thought leadership type content around, you know, how you can grow your specific agency. Um, but that's really maybe one out of every four weeks, I include something like that. And it's really more so about getting to know me, you know, on a more personal level is what the newsletter is. That's awesome. So you really, so you really built the whole, your entire personal brand solely on the, just the, the email newsletter. Was there also like, you know, a Facebook group involved or was there also other elements like a, a page that you're growing or a podcast you started, were there other elements to the personal brand that helped, uh, you know, cause I'm going to, I'm leading up to how you took that and, and ended up with a seven figure agency. So wondering, could, was it just the newsletter or what else did you do? Yeah. So the newsletter definitely was the, the, the foundation for it, but you know, we have a website, yeah. you know, as well. So, uh, mm -hmm. that was where we would end up sending people. What we found is that the newsletter wasn't really selling anything. Um, but if there was interest in who is this guy, I like his stories. He seems pretty interesting. They could click on the web and click from a link in the newsletter to go to the website. And that's where they would find out about our services. So, so that was, you know, one of the, you know, kind of non intrusive ways to try to like get our name out there. But, um, you know, also at the same time, I would repurpose the same content that I was writing for the newsletter on LinkedIn and, uh, and, and, Similarly, you know, do strategically, you know, add connections to agency owners and leaders and others that are in my target audience. So, um, so building up a, a social profile uh, on LinkedIn was really the, the next phase of that. And, and that's probably how it was for the first, say, six months. And then after the, after around six months, that's when I started doing some podcast appearances like I'm, I'm doing here today and um, started getting invited to speak um, at virtual conferences and uh, and webinars and, and, and things like that. So, but, you know, I really needed to started to build my own little audience before I was getting invites to these podcasts and, uh, and, and these other speaking events. And it all really, you know, again, started with that email and then, you know, into the LinkedIn profile as well. Very nice. Very nice. So I guess, how did, how then do we bridge? So you, you know, you took this path up, I'm going to start building on my own, um, personal branding. How did we then take that and, you know, escalated into a seven figure agency. Yeah. Well, what was great is, you know, when I first started the newsletter, I didn't, I didn't have any clients. Um, and, mm -hmm. uh, so I was able to, through my network, through my own personal network, you know, land, you know, I think two clients to start off with. So that at least gave me enough, um, income coming in that I could, uh, afford to quit the job that I had and, and, and go all in uh, on this. Um, but really, you know, it was, uh, again, the, the newsletter was really where we first got our first, you know, few clients. Um, and then that just allowed me to go out and hire, um, uh, for my first staff member. And then, you know, that led to, um, referrals. That was another, you know, way, uh, you know, once we would start doing good work for our clients, they would, you know, pass along, um, uh, you know, 
uh, our us, you know, if you will, um, to to other companies that are out there. So, it, you know, really kind of snowballed. Um, but I think what we ended up doing was once we had a a once we were in a position that there was some awareness of my name and and, and some demand for the services. Uh, we started doing more targeted one-to-one -one, uh, outbound outreach to agencies. Um, now, what we, what I, what I experienced here is that I'm sure we all receive um, emails all the time, or we've seen uh, emails or things on LinkedIn about, hey, you know, we're going to book 30 appointments in 30 days, and you know, there, there's a lot of noise in the space. There's a lot of empty promises. You know, a lot of, lot of operators that do kind of lead generation and, and services like that that aren't necessarily the uh, most um, trustworthy, if you will. Yeah. Um, so I, yes. I wanted to make sure I stood out from that. And and that's where the newsletter came in again to, and the personal brand, you know, I think if they could trust me, then they would trust our services. Um, so when we started to then do more one-to-one -one outreach and reach out to these different companies and, and, and say, you know, Hey, we've been looking into your business. You know, we think we could, you know, help you with growth. We'd like to talk about that. Um, they trusted our emails um, and they trusted us more because they already knew us, you know, through, through the newsletter. Um, but that's where we really started to then accelerate the growth was through the more, you know, one-to-one -one, um, outbound, you know, emails and phone calls, you know, to, uh, to these agencies. But I don't feel if we did not have that initial newsletter and the LinkedIn presence that we would have been able to cut through nearly as well as we ended up doing. Yeah, it was like, like an accelerator to Absolutely. the business. Yeah. I, I experienced a lot of that myself when, you know, I, cause I, I tried, I drove the agency first, but, uh, as soon as I really started, you know, face on everything and really blending my name and the agency name and, and kind of utilizing that personal brand, like you're talking about, it was like pouring gasoline on the fire because, you know, people, you know, they learn to know, love and trust you and what you have to say. And if you're running that operation, then that trust naturally carries over. And so, you know, I couldn't agree with you more that personal branding can really, really help a lot of B2B businesses, but especially digital marketing agencies uh, in the digital space. So it, it's a phenomenal um, tactic to use. So uh, what do you think most agencies get wrong when it comes to business development? We all want to grow. We all want to get bigger. Um, what do you think most of us out there are doing wrong? Yeah, I think it's kind of what we just started to talk about. Um, I think one is a lot of them, first and foremost, are just sitting around waiting for the phone to ring. Uh, you know, they they think that they're going to post a blog and, you know, all these companies are going to, you know, come and find them. Or maybe they don't even post the blog and they're just, they've just kind of grown organically through word of mouth and referrals. But at some point in time, um, that's going to dry up. Um, or it's not going to lead you in a direction that you ultimately, you know, want to grow in. Because if you're just dealing with people within your network, you know, you might work with one company in one industry, and then you might work with another company, in another industry, and you're never really, you know, getting an expertise, you know, in any one particular area, you're just kind of doing whatever comes, you know, your way. And that can get you to a certain point, um, especially if you have a big networking to a certain point. But um, ultimately, if you really want to get to the next level, you have to have some level of, you know, expertise and specialization, um, I believe at least. So um, I think that is one thing is that um, all far too many just rely on sort of word of mouth and, and referrals to grow. Um, but I think those that are recognizing that, you know, hey, we need to do more than just that. I think what, what they get wrong is, again, kind of what we were talking about before is we really see it as two sides. You know, you have to be able to build awareness and demand for 
your agency and the types of services and problems that you solve. And then you also have to way, have a way to capture that demand as well. And that's, you know, really through uh, what we believe is, you know, again, more of that proactive, you know, outbound emails, sometimes outbound cold calls, um, because at the end of the day, whether you built up the demand or not, um, you know, these prospects that you're reaching out to, they're very busy um, and there's a lot of competition that is out there. So even if they, you know, know who you are, you still have to go after them and more proactively, you know, take the next step to try to build that relationship, you know, with them. Uh, and, and I see a lot of companies come to us and they want to jump right into, let's just start sending out outbound emails and let's, let's get leads. And, you know, and, you know, we, we can do that and we will see some level of success, but if you really want to get success, it's about building that awareness and demand, just like we had talked about and, and leveraging a personal brand is a way, you know, one, one of many ways that you can help, you know, your firm build awareness and demand. So if you have someone that runs a digital marketing agency, because I'm, I'm sure I can speak for a, a lot of the audience when I say they're probably conflicted going, oh, I know building a personal brand could definitely, uh, you know, help explode my agency, but I just really don't want to put my face on all this. I don't want to be the face. I don't want to be the voice. Me personally, I didn't have any problem with it and it was, it was awesome. But what would be your advice to those people that are like, I don't want to put my face on it. It would, is it like, go get another face and then you and and partner with them so that can be the face or can you go at this uh, a different way um, other than you know really using you know using just one person's face for the agency yeah I mean my first bit of advice is uh, you know I learned I learned a lesson from my first business as I as I mentioned you know I was the Wizard of Oz I didn't want to put myself out there I I felt like it was egotistical you know to do that and uh, and I, and I, like I said, I believe that it held me back. And I think that business would have grown even faster and bigger, you know, had I done that. Now that said, you know, I know it's not for everybody. I mean, it wasn't for me, you know, back then. So I don't necessarily think it's, uh, you know, an absolute requirement. Um, what can you do about it if, if it's not, you know, for you? Uh, you know, I think perhaps you do have, um, you know, a partner or, you know, someone within your firm that you can, elevate to be more of that, you know, face, you know, of the organization. So, um, you know, I, I think that's definitely something that one could explore. Um, again, you, you may not have that person, especially if you're just starting off and you're just a team of one or two, um, you know, so I, I, I think if, if you're doing all the other things right uh, in, in terms of your marketing and, uh, you know, I still think you have to be producing some thought leadership. You have to have a point of view on you know how to solve a problem um even if it's not putting your face you know in a video to talk about it but you have to at least be able to articulate it through you know uh you know writing of, of some sort um I, I think if you're not willing to do that either even if you're again you're not the face put you know in front of it um, i think it's going to be really challenging to to get things started if um if you're not putting yourself out there and you're not at least putting your thinking out there yeah, it goes, it, it kind of leads into, you know, how important it is to, to, to do work. <laughs> sometimes you really have to put in a little bit of elbow grease, sometimes that you really have to, you know, actually get out there and, and do something and you can't, you know, just hope that it will magically happen. I talk to so many clients out there that, you know, when you ask what's your main source of leads right now, and how have you been getting your, you know, your original clients, it, they completely echo what you already said, which is, uh, my immediate network, uh, you know, and, and, and 
then they will refer me and then I'll get, I'll get another client or two from those referrals. And I've always kind of looked at that. Like it's so unstable because you can't, I've had, I've had amazing clients before, incredible clients that we did really great work with. They were great. We, you know, every, we just, we bonded with them. It was such a great relationship, but they had no one to refer us to. And they would if they did, but they had no one to refer us to. So it's, it's not even a guarantee in any way, shape or form that that referral will come even in the best case where you're doing great work and you have a great relationship with the client. So you can't really rely on that. You really have to be able to get into that cold network and, and pull people in with a, you know, a strong offer and a voice that has something to say, like you said, uh, in the field. And I think this kind of leads us really well into our, into my next question, which is about relationship uh, making. So as you know, relationship making is really important for marketing agencies, but can you tell us what relationship making is to you? Uh, and why do you consider it to be the future or, or, or dependent, uh, or I guess not dependent, really important to the future growth of digital marketing agencies? Yeah. So this idea of relationship making is, is something that we've really grasped onto, you know, over the last, you know, six months uh, or more. And you know, I think what we're seeing in professional services, you know, which is what agencies are, are doing, is that it is relationship-based type of business. Um, you know, most have grown through word of mouth and referrals, um, but as we've talked about, it's not a scalable solution to just rely on word of mouth and referrals. So how do you take what you're able to do with those relationships, but how do you systematize it in a way that you can still have that personal relationship and but do so at a level of scale and, and operationalize it um, so when we think about again in a lot of things that you're going to hear you know out there it's more so about hey we generate leads um, and but to us leads are more of a short-term transactional type of thing we like to think of it more as you know we're here to help build relationships and how to start those relationships which i think is a little bit of a different mindset um, you know, there's some research that's out there that only somewhere in the neighborhood of like three to 5% of the market is even in market to buy services like yours at any given time. So that means 97, 95% of the market is not ready to buy right now. Doesn't mean they won't be in three months, six months, nine months, a year, but you have to think about it more long-term. You can't just think about it as, all right, we're going to send out an email or we're going to place an ad and, you know, we're going to get these leads that are going to flow in and we're going to close all this business. You have to think about it, you know, from a longer term approach that we're going to build these relationships over time and over time when they're ready, they're going to come to us. So that's, I think, the approach that we've always tried to take. Like, that's why we have the newsletter that we're not out there trying to sell services in the newsletter. It's about building a relationship, letting them know me and, and, and start to, you know, connect with them on a digital level. And to us, you know, relationship making, it's, it's not just starting, oh, you know, we meet the prospect, we take them out to lunch and, you know, that relationship making begins, bef you know, with your brand, really, uh, you, whether it be your personal brand or your company brand and, and what you stand for and who you are and, and building that awareness and getting in front of them is where that relationship, you know, actually starts. And then when they're ready, you know, then they will, you know, start to engage with you. And then it's taking that relationship and adding value back to them you know, constantly providing value back and then nurturing that relationship, understanding that, you know, they may not be ready again in market right now, but, you know, understand this is a long, you know, term type of process. And for, for me, that's really been a, a game changer for us as a company and, and really how we advise our clients and work with our clients on is, is thinking things a little bit differently. Otherwise, you know, you're only trying to go for that quick hit 
that that happens and, and we love those i i mean hey i'm not going to say that if, if somebody wants i meet tomorrow and they want to give me money you know for a, a client project i'm going to say no but you know i don't look for those types of opportunities i look for building relationships and um so it, again it really kind of goes back to how do we create awareness and demand and then how do we capture and nurture you know that demand over time as well yeah honestly i couldn't agree with you more what you just said is super, super valuable. And it, and it was one of the main things that helped me to rapidly grow my agency as well was realizing that not everybody is a one call close and realizing that not everything is a quick win. And you're right, those do come along and they're so great and they feel amazing. Uh, but if you rely solely on those, then you're going to be severely limited, right? And especially when you consider like, a lot of agencies out there, myself included, are spending money on paid advertising. And when you're spending all this money and you're getting people to click in, go through your funnel, book a call, have a chat, and you're building that relationship on that call, it's not just a sales call, it's a relationship building call between you and, and that person who, like you said, 97% of the time is not even ready to buy, uh, but they still took the action to book the call uh, to learn more about their services because they do know that they need help in their business in that category. They may just be either not financially ready or whatever could be going on in their life at that time that's not ready to pull the trigger. And if you don't have the systems in place to continually nurture that relationship that you're talking about, that lead, then when they are ready in a month, two months, six months, we've closed deals three years later. They came, booked a call with us, talked to us, and then we're in my newsletter, uh, we're in my Facebook group, listen to my podcast, different things like that. And three years later, now they're our client. And I think most agencies out there would have missed that client because not only would they have you know, long forgotten about them and moved on, but they wouldn't have put them into that ecosystem that you're talking about, where you're constantly providing value, you're constantly showing that you're an authority in the space, and you're constantly that reminder of when I am ready, that's who I want to go to. Uh, and it, it's critical. And it's probably where 50% or more of our deals come from is those, you know, people that were in the space and, and made the decision later after they've, you know, really, you know, I guess been nurtured. I think that's probably more the you're I think we're you're just using a little bit less of the buzzwords, which I like because we all have those buzzwords that we all know. Lead nurturing would be like probably the most common one, but you're right. I I love it um on relationship building. So agency owners are constantly trying to stay ahead of their competition, like we're talking about right now, uh, and market trends. Why do you feel it is important for agencies to now reimagine their go-to-market strategies for today's B2B buyers and not kind of get stuck in, you know, one strategy that may have worked for them even just last year? Yeah, well, you know, what we're seeing in the agency space is that, uh, you know, things are rapidly changing. Uh, you know, we're in this recession, maybe we're in a recession, maybe we're going to be <laughs> in a knows? recession period. Um, so, but at the end of the day, everybody's a little bit more nervous um, and we're seeing longer sales cycles. We're seeing budget cuts. Uh, you know, we're seeing uh, companies that are taking a lot of work in house now. They're, they're not necessarily working with outside agencies. Uh, so it's a really, you know, interesting and rapidly changing, you know, time period here. And beyond that, um, just at a more macro level, even, you know, the, the B2B buying experience has really changed. Uh, you think back maybe, let's say 20 years ago, 
their, their the web was, you know, it was out there, but people, they didn't have as much of a presence, you know, these companies as they do nowadays. So they had to talk to salespeople to get any sort of information about what they do. These days, they don't need to talk to a salesperson. They can, you know, they can go on the web. They can now ask chat GPT. They, there's so many different, you know, ways that they can get information. They can go to Facebook and, and LinkedIn communities and things like that. So, you know, to think that it's this sort of linear process that people go through and uh, it, it's fundamentally that that's just not how, you know, it works. And I don't think others have, you know, kind of realized that. So it, it again, it's all kind of dovetails into what we've been talking about here. It's about having that presence, you know, with yourself, whether it be a personal brand or your company brand or both um, creating, you know, thought leadership content. So these people, uh, these prospects that are out there, you know, they can start to learn about you because they're probably, you know, going, going to be, they're going to be doing a lot of the research on their own. They don't need to call and talk to you. Um, and, and when they do, um, you know, they, they, that might, they are, might already be 70 or 80% down the funnel, you know, at that point, you know, already. So you really just got to be, you know, keep that in mind. Um, and, you know, it, it really all kind of matters in in sense of you know you have to be creating content for each of the different stages of the buyer journey um there is awareness content there's consideration content there's decision content uh so being you know mindful again of that journey and making sure that you're showing up with content that is valuable for whatever stage they happen to be in uh you know you have to keep in mind all the level of competition that's out there uh, you know one thing that we work with our clients on is we you know we call it a give to get and so when we do reach out to, to prospects, uh, first and foremost, you know, we're, we're not saying, hey, we would just love to get 15 minutes on your calendar so we could tell you all about us and all the awards we won and how great our services are and all of that. Like, there's just nothing in it for the prospect themselves. So, you know, what we like to work with our clients on is coming up with something unique. Um, maybe that's an insight session. Maybe that's a free workshop. Maybe that's an audit. Maybe uh, that is a inviting them on a podcast like this and giving them some publicity. Maybe it's a, a virtual panel where you can get together other industry leaders and unpack an idea. So the idea here is that you're going to give them some sort of value back before you're going to ask for something, you know, back from them, which ultimately is their time. And, and we just find that that is a much better way to cut through, you know, all the clutter that's out there. And again, help to start that relationship. You're giving them something. Um, it's just human nature for them to want to, you know, give something back to you. It's the law of rec uh, reciprocity. So, uh, you know, I think just the kind of the old school ways of thinking about it, you really got to understand like what's happening in the market and what's happening in the, in the buyer journey and, and make sure that you're adapting your approach, you know, accordingly. Give to get strategy guys, write that down because that is so valuable. I can't, I can't tell you how much that I've seen that work really well. Um, and you know, even, even someone like me, I would work on me. If someone reaches out to me and says, you know, Hey, I noticed this thing that I think could really be better. And either here's what I would do, or would you like to hop on and I can share it with you? Um, that automatically is more attractive than, Hey, I do X, Y, and Z. Do you want to hop on and chat to learn about it? Cause it's like, no, I wasn't even looking for X, Y, and Z right now. Uh, and I, and that would have, they would have had to get really lucky if I just happened to be needing that at that moment. And then they hit me with that email, which is very hard to do. So offering value upfront is by far one of the best tips out there for growing a digital marketing agency. And when you're growing that, that ecosphere that 
Christian was talking about earlier, where you have, whether it's a newsletter, a group, a podcast, all of it, or, you know, or more, that's all you're doing. You're constantly providing value, providing value, providing value, and having those call to actions throughout. So one day when they see that value and they're ready, then they're going to hop on. I also really like, you mentioned audits. I think that's a fantastic um, strategy when you can, there's software out there that you can use to then pull a potential leads website through the software. It grades it and gives immediate places for improvement. You can tell if they're running ads, if they're not, and create just a, a, a small five point, you know, five point document on things that you could help them improve on and then ask for that call and then get them on the call, go through those things. And now, now they know who you are. They trust you. You've built a relationship and you're the right person for the job really at that point, once they've kind of, you know, made that relationship and seen what you actually can do. So it's a phenomenal strategy. Christian, what is Propel? Yeah, Propel is our go-to-market uh, strategy uh, and is uh, it's a framework and it's an acronym, Propel. Uh, so each, each one of the letters stands for something. So uh, the P of Propel is, is pick a pivotal problem. And I think this is another thing that I see agencies and even especially digital agencies getting wrong is that they might say, uh, well, what problem do you solve? Well, we build websites for companies that need them. But a website isn't a problem. It's it's a potentially a solution to a problem. But the problem is our sales are down or our leads are down and a new website potentially could solve that problem. But uh, I talk with agencies all the time and they're, they have a really tough time actually articulating what problems that they actually solve. Um, and they do solve problems, but they don't think about it in those terms. They're, they jump right to the solution. Uh, so... The Propel model really is first and foremost getting clear on that. And ideally, though, these problems are urgent and important for the prospect to solve, because if it's just something nice for them to do, um, it'll incrementally help their business. The odds of them wanting to take action, especially from a cold email or an ad, is 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 very slim. So you really want to get you know clear on you know how do you solve problems that are both urgent and important for the prospect to solve. And, you know, you don't necessarily just have to have one problem you solve. Um, you probably solve, you know, three, four or five different problems, but you, you want to get really good at solving a problem. And, and then that becomes the foundation of that go-to-market strategy. Um, the next part of Propel is, is the um, research audience segment. So now that you know what problems that you solve, you're going to want to know what audiences are experiencing that problem. Is it a certain industry? Is it a certain type of company? Is it a certain, you know, companies in a certain geography? Um, but here you want to build out like an ideal company profile. You want to build out buyer persona. So who within those companies are experiencing that problem? And ultimately you want to land at coming up with a list of potential companies that are experiencing, you know, that particular problem. And then that's the list then that you could start to do your sales and marketing, you know, efforts to. The, the, the P in there, I, I, everything, uh, I can tell you how many clients I talk to that I ask, um, you know, what do you do, uh, as, as an agency, what do you do? And the answer is Facebook ads. It's Google ads, it's website builds, it's SEO. And I, I, that's honestly, oftentimes my very first lesson is people do not buy Facebook ads or people do not wanna buy Google ads. They don't wanna buy a new website. They don't wanna rank on Google. They want what that means. They want 
growth for the business. They want, you know, people have many different reasons, reasons for wanting to grow their business for an additional layer to take care of my family to, you know, whatever those deep reasons are and solving, finding that problem out on the sales call and during the relationship building process is critical because if you just come as a service provider, one of millions that provides Facebook ads or Google ads, you're going to get lost in the noise and you're not going to really connect with that person to be able to build that relationship. And, you know, agencies often get services and solutions mixed all the yep. time. They just, and it, it's one of the biggest mistakes that I see in the industry. And so I'm actually really glad that you brought that up uh, because knowing the difference between them is really critical. And also while I'm on the, while I'm on the rant, I'll say that on the sales side of agencies, if you go, I talk to my sales guys all the time and I'm telling them and they'll come to me and be like, Hey, you know, we're talking to this lead and they want X, Y, and Z. And they're like, so when you're doing the ads, how do you then send it over here? And what do you then do? And I'm like, I'm like, stop, you're going way too far into technicals right now. Uh, and that's not really where the sale is made. The prospect that knows nothing about Google ads or Facebook ads does not want to know exactly how you build the core lookalike audience and, and, and who your you know, interest layering that over. They don't need to know all that. That's not what, what's selling them. They need to know that it's going to provide the solution to their problem. So right back to what Christian said, what is the problem? And is the answer more lead generation, more sales for the business than yes. And that's what we do. Keep it at that level. That's where the sale is actually made. Because uh, when we go too far down those rabbit holes, you're going to lose the sale. And it's just, it's not, it's the service. It's not the problem, like you said. Yeah. Christian, what tactics and strategies work for awareness and demand creation? Well, yeah, actually, I'd love to go back. I just started with with Propel, the, the, the P and the R. So if, if it's okay, I'd love to oh my gosh. Know, the rest of the I, you know, I think I think I was so impressed with the P <laughs> That I just, I just like threw the rest, the whole rest of the word on P. So okay, we're backing up. We're going on to R. So at, Propel is an acronym, and it's uh, we're now on R. Go back. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So the R is the research the audience segments, um, which, which we talked about the ICP and the buyer personas, um, and how that applies to the pivotal problem. Um, I think we're on O now, which is own the journey. So the PRO, mm. and then that goes back to what we started talking about earlier with the buyer, um, with the buyer journey and really making sure that now that you have the problem and you know, the audience, what, you know, what are the questions? What are the objections that they're having at the different stages of the journey? So at the consideration stage, the awareness stage, the decision stage, you know, what type of content are you going to need for each one of those different stages? So, so that's really, again, we talked about this one a little bit earlier, so I won't go into too depth on the O, but, um, but that's really key. The next part of Propel, so now we have P-R-O and P now, it's really about providing value. Um, so that's, again, what we had talked about you know, earlier. Um, so getting clear on what is that offer? What is that give to get that you're going to provide them? So that's the, the second P. The next one, E, is um, uh, of Propel is uh, evaluate channels. And this is where, you know, you're going to want to think about, you know, where, where does this target audience, you know, hang out? Um, are they on LinkedIn? Uh, are they on email? Do they go to certain events? Are they in certain, you know, online communities? Are they on TikTok? Um, there, there is so yeah. many different channels that are out there. And especially if you're a small agency, you can't be on all of them. Um, so you really need to do your homework and understand, you know, where, 
where are they living and, and where are they living at each of the different stages of the journey? Maybe at the awareness stage, they're at one channel, but the decision stage, they're at a different channel. So, um, so that's where that comes in. And so it's, it's really evaluating the different channels and figuring out and prioritizing the ones that, you know, make the most sense, you know, for you. And then the, the last part of Propel, the, the L is to launch experiments and scale. Uh, and we like to look at all of these different campaigns that we would do as experiments, because that's really what it is. There's nobody knows for sure if it's going to work. If you've done your homework and, you know, we believe you've gone through our process, you know, you're going to get it right more times than not. But at the end of the day, you know, some are going to hit home runs. And if they do, how do we do more of them? How do we double, triple, quadruple, you know, what we're doing? But the ones that aren't performing as well, you know, do we just make a tweak to it or do we need to pivot, you know, altogether? So we like to look at these as like 30 day sprints and start to look for positive signals, you know, by a positive signal, I don't necessarily mean, hey, you won, you know, a business, you know, you want a big deal from it. It means like, are you getting the right types of traction? Are you getting inquiries? Are you getting positive indicators again, that this seems to be working? And if that's the case, again, do more of it. And if it's not, but we like the 30 day period because, you know, we think it's enough time to, again, be able to start to see positive, you know, results, but it's not too much time that you're going to spend six months trying something and then it doesn't work. And next thing you know, you're again, half the year is over and, and now you're stuck back from square one. So it's really kind of taking a page out of, uh, you know, software development and web development, these kind of 30 day sprints uh, or experiments, however you want to look at it. So that's really the process then that we, we bring people through is, is propel each one of those different steps builds on each other. But at the end of this, you know, you will have a, a plan um, on how you can bring your brand to market. How are you going to get from point A, wherever you're at today, to point B, where you want to go ultimately. And so it takes 30 days to get through like one full propel cycle then, I guess. No, no, Propel, you know, itself, usually when working with clients, that could take anywhere from six to eight weeks. Um, but okay. out of Propel, you're going to you're going to come up with some different ideas, right? OK, here's the pivotal problem. Here's the audience. Here's the offer, the give to get that we're going to do. Here's the channel. So you're going to know all those variables. And then you put that into market in a 30 day experiment. And then you see kind of how it's going and, uh, and, and coming out of a propel process, we might have a couple of different experiments that we want to try. Let's try this problem and that problem. Let's try this audience and that audience. So you have a couple different iterations of it. You put it into market, you see how it goes. And at the end of the 30 days, if it's working, we do more of it. If it's not working, let's make some tweaks, or maybe we just scrap that experiment and we try something else. I love it. I love it. All right. So. Now back to our next question. What tactics and strategies work for awareness and demand creation for digital marketing agencies? Yeah, I think what some of the ones that we, you know, tend to gravitate to, uh, again, we, we do like, you know, to consider every client that we work with is, is different. Every agency is a little bit different. Markets are different. Um, but some of the tried and true ones that seem to work um, uh, in most cases, first and foremost, like we've talked about, you know, thought leadership, it's really about but not just creating content to create content because there is no shortage of content out there. I think with, you know, chat GPT and, and the like, it's only going to get even worse. So you really have to have a point of view on something, you know, what is your method, your process, something different that you can bring to the market on how to solve again, those pivotal problems, you know, for us, you know, our point of view is the relationship making. That is how we like to go to market and how we like to build you know, the businesses for our clients, um, for, 
you, the listener, you know, your, your point of view will be something else depending on what you do, but you know, you have to stand for something, you know, or else you're going to stand for nothing. So, uh, it, thought leadership is, is key. Um, now creating the content is one thing. It's also making sure you get it up. The eyeballs on it is another. So, you know, where we also like, you know, LinkedIn has been a great channel, um, in a couple different ways. Um, organically posting on LinkedIn, um, is, is great, especially from back to our conversation about like the personal brand, but the founder or key executives profiles, you know, we see better results coming from, you know, the individuals within the organization versus say the company page, um, mm -hmm. where people want to follow a person than they want to follow a company. Um, so, so having a strategy for LinkedIn organic is important. And then LinkedIn paid ads, I think is, are also, um, something worth exploring as well. Uh, what I like about LinkedIn ads is that you're able to target, you know, the exact companies, the exact titles, you know, sometimes the exact individuals, even within those organizations that you want to uh, get in front of. Um, so it's another, you know, way to get your message in front of the right folks. Um, podcasting we've found to be, you know, also a really good, you know, source, um, whether it be exposing yourself to the audience of that podcast or just as a piece of content, then that you can repurpose for your social channels or your email newsletter. Um, and then that blends me to email newsletters. Obviously I would, I would be remiss if I didn't say that that wasn't a, a great, you know, uh, way to build awareness and demand. Cause obviously we talked about that earlier that, you know, we've really kind of built a company, you know, uh, around the email newsletter. So, you know, those are kind of five that we tend to gravitate to, but uh, you know, everybody's a little bit different. Um, but I think if you're experimenting and you're trying out, I think those are five that are really good to, to at least consider. Those five are, are all super strong, very phenomenal. I'll keep my comments to just two of them. One, love that you said LinkedIn because LinkedIn is not dead. A lot of people have a misconception that LinkedIn is, is just full of spam. Like when they log in and they see all these messages that, you know, are, are kind of sent from bots and they're like, oh, it's just all spam. Like there's no one really on LinkedIn. Shockingly, we uh, see a lot of success on LinkedIn and our clients also see a lot of success on LinkedIn. Um, usually, usually there has to be a lot of, of real personalization. Like you can cut through the noise on LinkedIn. I feel like when you don't sound like a bot uh, and you have real people um, actually engaging in the DMs and not just like, you know, hi, I do this. Do you do this? Like, and it just, when you personalize it, LinkedIn is doing phenomenally in 2023, which a lot of people don't realize. And the other one is the method thing. Uh, the very first one that you said, where um, if you can kind of brand your methodology on how you do something, you can cut through the noise instead of being, you know, Facebook ads and then retargeting Facebook ads to a funnel. If you actually can brand similar to propel actually, which is if you can take a, your methodology, even if it's somewhat similar to other methodologies, but it's, it's unique in the way that you deliver it or in the tools that you use or whatever. And you can actually brand your methodology with an acronym or whatever the Tyler method, for example. Um, then that can help stand you out among the crowd because that immediately creates that intrigue value of, well, what's the Tyler method? You know, now immediately I know that he's not just giving me Facebook ads like everybody else. There's some type of methodology behind it that's specific to this agency that's working for them. Um, I love that. And I see that work very, very well. Um, what do you think is a smart approach to streamlining business generation for agencies? Smart approach to streamlining business uh, operations, did you say? Or? 
business generation. So uh, I, I mean, it could be kind of similar to you know, our last question, but what do you think is a smart approach to streamlining business generation for new agencies? So getting that, generating the lead and then closing the lead in as fast as possible. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a couple of different ways I, I want to approach this. What we've seen is if you've done a good job of building the awareness and demand then you are going to be getting inbound opportunities. Um, so, so that right off the bat will streamline because now they're coming to you when they're ready versus you reaching out to them when, you know, they might be in the 97% that aren't in market right now. So, you know, the, the awareness and demand creation side will definitely help. Um, and I think the other way, and it's related to the awareness and demand as well, is that if they know you and they like you and they trust you, uh, you know, the odds of them, you know, converting faster is, is much better because they're, they may not need to go out and look and vet you against, you know, five other, you know, Facebook agencies that, you know, are out there um, because they've already, you know, they already understand who you are and what you do. Uh, and, and they, and they, they don't need to go out and look for it. So you can kind of bypass that, that whole process. So, you know, I, again, I, I think all of this kind of ties, you know, together um, in, in many different ways. Um, I, I think another thing, again, and we've talked about this, is about the nurturing piece. Um, you know, it, in many ways, though, you, you can't speed up the timeline in, in B2B sales, right? Uh, we'd love to, you know, but, you yeah. know, there's budgets, there's other priorities, there's things like that that, that can happen. But what I do see happening is the the failure to nurture those leads. Um, they forget about you, and 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 if you are doing a good job of nurturing, uh, you know you can definitely capture a lot of opportunities that would have otherwise just fallen off, and they they may not have moved forward with any vendor. Period. Uh, and mm -hmm. but if you've done a good job of nurturing them and staying in front of them and on their radar screen and continue to build that demand for you know, your services, you know, over time, um, they might be more apt to, you know, move forward you know, with you, um, you know, other, and otherwise they may not move forward with anybody. Totally agree. I have two last questions for you, Christian. The first one of them is how can digital marketing agencies land six and seven, six and seven figure opportunities more predictably? Uh, and then my last one is one that I ask everybody uh, as a last question. So uh, this is your last Big question. Yeah. So as far as the the, the key word there is predictably, and uh, it, it's this is a good way to kind of maybe put a bow on this whole conversation here. Yeah. Uh, word of mouth and referrals um, are great, but they're not a predictable growth strategy. Uh, you don't know when they're going to come in. You don't know if they're going to come in. You don't know who they're going to come in from. Uh, we look at those as a bonus. Uh, I don't want to build a business, you know, around solely something that's out of my control. So it really boils down to if you want to land six and seven figure opportunities predictably, you have to have a process. And, you know, that process, you know, in our opinion, begins with, you know, having that go to market strategy, having a plan to get from point A to point B, and then having uh, a way to create that awareness, create that demand, as we've talked about, and then a way to capture that demand, whether that's through outbound emails, whether that's through LinkedIn ads uh, or LinkedIn, you know, DMs, you know, whatever the method is, um, you know, or multiple methods. Uh, and but ultimately, what you're trying to work towards is uh, you want to know that hey, if we do X number of activities, and by activities I mean 
you know, sending out this many emails or sending this many DMs or anything like that, that it's going to yield Y number of meetings. All right. And then Y number of meetings is going to yield Z number of uh, closed one opportunities. And once you start doing this for, you know, six months or so, you know, you're going to really start to know your metrics and you can start to scale up. If you know one out of every hundred emails is going to land a meeting and every one out of every 10 meetings is a, is a new business win, you can, you know, 10x the number of emails you send out and you're going to get 10 more meetings and 10 more new clients. So it's, you know, simple math um, that, that, you know, obviously there are some nuances to all of that, uh, but, you know, it, it gives you a framework that you can, you know, when you're, when business is down, you can, you know, pull that lever and, and, and pull it up. And when maybe you're, you're busy and you're at capacity, you could pull back, but ultimately you want to work towards understanding what those metrics are. Uh, and then that's when you can start leveling uh, up, up to some level of predictability. Yeah, it, it, it really all does come down to math in the end. Uh, once you have a system that works, and that can probably be the most challenging part is getting that initial system that works. It's not really scaling. That could be the challenge. It's finding out what actually works and then being able to scale it and then making sure that it scales without breaking too, because you know, what if that list that you generated that worked and converted X amount of people, well, it ran out. And now I've, I've, I've emailed all of the lawyers that I could find in the United States and I got to move to Canada and maybe it's not the same in Canada. You know what I mean? So there are other factors in there, but overall, I completely agree. It's just, you know, it's, it becomes a math game once you get that system down that works. And there are a lot of things that works. I, I, I can't stand when I hear like gurus out there saying like email is dead or ads are dead or LinkedIn is dead or this is and like, because they're trying to push their one thing. And, and the reality is a lot of things work, but they take time, effort and, you know, practice to make sure that you do have the process down, like you said, uh, and then repeat and, and kind of scale up the math. All right, Christian, my very last question for you is something that I ask every guest that comes on my show. We have a lot of listeners that may be in the early stages of their agency, whether they're just starting out or they've been around for maybe a year or so, and they're trying to scale up themselves. So the last question was very uh, on point, but this one I like to ask everyone, what would be your number one piece of advice for a brand new agency owner that is just starting out today? I would say the number one piece of advice would be to special specialize. Um, I think it's really difficult. Um, there's so much competition that is out there, uh, to just say that, Hey, I can do everything under the moon. You know, it, it you're, no one's going to believe that that's possible, especially if you're, if you're just starting off, but if you can get really, really, really good at something and you can, you know, do all the things that we talked about, you know, here today, you have that thought leadership, you can start building awareness and demand. And, and if people can start to know you as the person for whatever that happens to be, uh, that is, you can start to really build, you know, a business around that one specialization. And, and then from there, you know, you can start to grow your team, you can start to grow your expertise, but, um, you know, we've seen, and we work with agencies that, you know, they might only be 10 people, um, or less, you know, they might be five people and they're working with Coca-Cola and they're working with big fortune, you know, 100 type of companies. Now they're not handling all the marketing, you know, for Coca-Cola, obviously, but they might be super good at this one particular area that Coke, you know, is having a challenge with. And it, Coke doesn't care if you're five people or 5,000 people, if you can solve that problem that they are experiencing back to the pivotal problem, you know, they're willing to, you know, take a, take a gamble and work with you. 
uh, on it. But, you know, it, it, it really, you know, boils down to, I think, specializing in, you know, something as, as niche as possible uh, to start off with and then growing and scaling from there. Could not agree more. Do you mean, though, specialize in a service or specialize in a market to target or both? It could probably be both. And and probably at that stage, it's pro it probably should, you know, be both. You know, you might be the TikTok person for soft drinks. You know, I'm making things up right now. But, yeah, you know, yeah. if, if I'm Coke and Pepsi and Dr. Pepper and 7-Up and, and you are the guru for that, I'm, I'll listen to you, you know, whether you're a one person or, you know, a hundred person, you know, type of firm. So, um, yeah, I, I think the more you can niche down, whether it be industry, geography, service, um, targeting a certain audience, you know, we know Gen Z better than anybody else or millennials or boomers, whatever, like however more you can niche down and become the expert in that, I think you'll have a much better success of breaking through. Love it. Love it. Well, Christian, thank you so much again uh, for hopping on here with this chat. There was tons of golden nuggets and I'm sure our audience uh, is much more educated for it. So thank you again. Thank you for having me on, Tyler. This was a lot of fun. That's going to be it for today's episode. If you're ready to take your agency to the next level and have your leads, your team, and your sales all done for you, then apply now at dfy-agency-program.com scale. That's dfy-agency-program.com scale. There will be a clickable link in the podcast show notes below. See you in the next episode of the Digital Marketing Agency Builders podcast.